The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Today on CityCast Salt Lake, as we round out yet another dry year in Utah, our neighbors in Vegas have made Salt Lake news recently for their strict water policies. It's not the first time we've eyed them with conservation envy. When comedy news show host John Oliver railed on the state of Utah this summer for being water wasters, I called up my colleague Sonia Swanson to compare notes. She's the lead producer of CityCast Las Vegas. So we're re-upping this conversation as Utahns again ask what we can learn from our brethren in Sin City. Today's Monday, November 21st, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Sonia, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being here. I'm excited to chat with you about water solutions. It's also just cool to have like more colleagues in the West now with CityCast growing and to be able to talk about solutions together. Uh, yes, just solutions, solutions we desperately need. Honestly. My first question for you is kind of silly, but it's earnest, which is I've been watching the TV show Hacks. Oh, uh, yes. Which takes place in Las Vegas. And it centers like this really sort of careless millionaire named Deborah Vance. And the water police come to her house a lot. They're like, basically, I could only describe them as like water police and they come to monitor her water consumption. Are they real? Yes. (laughs) Yes, we do have water cops. Uh, They do patrol. They look for water. You get fined like $500, I think, if you have water pouring out of your yard or out of your house into the street. Um, they also check and see if you're watering on Sundays. You're not allowed to water on Sundays. So yes, we actually do have water cops. How long have they been around? That's a great question. I feel like I remember water cops when I was in high school, like 15 to 20 years ago. So at least that long. I could be wrong. Wow. That's so interesting. Well, let's get into it a bit because one of the things that, of course, Um, John Oliver was railing on the state of Utah recently for our water consumption and heralding Las Vegas's amazing um, water conservation efforts. And one of the things that he pointed to is that Vegas grew by 34 percent between 2002 and 2013. But use of Colorado River water dropped by almost a quarter. Yeah. I think in Utah, we have gotten in the habit of blaming growth for our various consumption perils. Mm -hmm. And I guess my question for you is like, how? How are you conserving water in Vegas? That's a great question. I have to give a lot of credit for everything I know about water to Daniel Rothberg, the environment reporter at the Nevada Independent. He's just incredible. One of the things that he told me is that we kind of have this advantage in Southern Nevada where like other states, other regions have a bunch of different water authorities kind of vying for water and power and money, whereas Southern Nevada has 
basically one. It's Southern Nevada Water Authority, the SNWA. And so they get to make a lot more unilateral decisions without some of the political jockeying that sometimes happens around water in other places. Um, Mm. So they've been able to put in these policies, for example, no watering on Sundays. You get fined if you, you know, waste water by washing your car and it runs into the street. You um, can get rebate programs for converting your landscaping to xeriscaping. So they've just put in a ton of programming, really purposeful, really, um, uh, I think, mindful of like the long-term impacts of, of the outdoor water use. And they have this incredible, incredible water recycling program. So we actually, this is, this is the, the fact that actually blew my mind. Las Vegas recycles 99% of its indoor water use. 99%. Wow. Yeah. So that water going down your shower drain is either getting put back into landscaping or going right back to Lake Mead. I feel really good about my long showers now, Allie. (laughs) The conversation for so long has been like, turn off the tap while you're brushing your teeth. Mm -hmm. Don't, you know, use the dishwasher. Don't wash dishes in a tub or whatever. But basically, you all have solved that problem in a sense so that you don't have to be policing people's indoor water use. Right. It's all just being recycled. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's actually um, a water authority in Southern California that is looking to model their water recycling program program after Las Vegas's. So, you know, when when John Oliver joked that Las Vegas could be a model for other cities, it's actually happening. I mean, he said only in water use, which makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Only in water use. (laughs) I don't know. I think Vegas's excess is like a little fun. Maybe we could use a little bit more of that in Utah. We're a little too buttoned up here. Okay, fair, fair. (laughs) A little more Vegas in Utah makes sense. I'm curious how you all got to that point. Like, what was the impetus? Was there a major, was there like a, no pun intended, watershed moment? Or is this been a slow learning curve? Las Vegas started the, laid the groundwork for building a, uh, a third water intake from Lake Mead. You know, uh, the story is about, you know that Lake Mead has been dropping horrifically yeah. in the last several mm-hmm. years. Um, and so as the water level goes down, these intake pipes that bring water to the city from the lake um, are now dropping, the water level is dropping below those intake pipes. Hmm. But over the last, I want to say like 10 or 15 years, uh, the Water Authority had been planning for this moment and had built a third lower intake pipe so that we could still have water piped to the city safely um, uh, without having to resort to some drastic you know, measures. And so that kind of like long-term planning, I think, has pervaded the SNWA's policies, and they've been ready for this moment for a long time. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler 
and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants. But the complex is located on a dead end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three bedroom work live apartments. So if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. I'm curious, like, what are the things that are that still need to be done? Like for a Vegas resident, like if you're looking at Vegas water policy, what are the pitfalls or what's missing? Oh, my God. I think it has to be outdoor, outdoor water use. I just see so many lawns out there still. Yeah. It drives me insane. It drives me insane, Allie. I, I, I love that. Yeah. Look, I have a dog. I love I love grass. She loves grass. It's it's great. You know, I. I think a, a patch of grass here and there is really nice, but you know we live in a desert. You know, I think I think the SNWA's um, tagline is "We live in a desert. It's time to act like it." Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so our outdoor water use is the real water guzzler in in the city, and and we need to find some ways to cu- curb that. I still see posts. I'm in a gardening group on Facebook, a Las Vegas gardening group. I still see posts from the gardening group that are like. I just moved here from like Indiana and I want my garden to look like, you know, it was back home, lush and full of like, you know, all of my favorite plants from back home and and people comment and they're like, hey, welcome to Las Vegas. You know, it's not a great idea. You shouldn't do that. Um, Yeah. So it's I think it's really changing people's minds around what a home and a yard should look like and also just how much water we can be expected to be allowed to use outside. Lawn culture is really big in Utah in particular in the suburbs. Uh And I think that there's definitely like a sociological tie to conservatism. Interesting. But more broadly, like we are trying to figure out how to lessen just grass culture in general. But I thought that in Vegas they had banned new lawns. So yeah, they they are. The city is banning grassy yards at all new housing and commercial developments in Las Vegas. By the end of 2026, all quote unquote non-functional grass will no longer be allowed to be watered. And so you're you're going to get a rebate if you convert it. You um, uh, basically won't be allowed to water quote unquote non-functional grass. So now what counts as non-functional turf is up for a lot of debate. There's a lot of conversations huh. happening between like condo developments and the SNWA. But theoretically, all those little like medians and like little grassy patches between like you know, two buildings or, you know, underneath a street sign, that can all go, which will cut billions of gallons of water use over the years, which I mean, over in, in a year, single year. So it's it's water that we desperately need to be able to return to Lake Mead. It's interesting, too, because, of course, it will change the visual landscape of the city a little bit. If you replace grass with rock, that actually amplifies heat, right? Like you've heard about the urban heat island effect. And so there's mm-hmm. a question of like, 
you know, if you replace if you replace grass, what do you replace it with? And what kind of shade do you provide? It can't just be like, take out the grass, right? It, there's got to be something right. else that comes with it. Well, in, in our city, one of the things that we're seeing is a lot of people perceive some of the xeriscaping as hostile architecture. Hmm. And it gets at that question of like, well, it doesn't matter what the intention is, what is the result, right? And so wow. if there isn't somewhere for people to sit, get cool, maybe sleep, mm-hmm. especially in the summer when it's so, so hot, yeah, then what do you do about that? Like there's something else is lost, even if a little bit of water is gained. And it makes me wonder if there's a place for more artificial turf as much as I dislike that plasticky feeling. I don't know. And I'm sure that we're in store for more of these conversations. Thank you. Yes. Uh, thank you, Allie. I, um, Las Vegas has a long way to go. We've done some good things, but we have a, we have a long way to go. Sonia, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much, Allie. It was, it was a lot of fun. If this conversation has you wondering what happens to the water that goes down your drain here in Salt Lake City, the answer is that it almost certainly goes to the Great Salt Lake. Indoor wastewater is screened, treated, disinfected with ultraviolet light, not chemicals, and then dispatched to the Northwest Canal of the Great Salt Lake. Does that mean that leaving your tap running is saving the Great Salt Lake? No, but nice try. And if you want even more hopeful news, check out the Great Salt Lake Collaborative's reporting on solutions from Vegas. GreatSaltLakeNews.org. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. And a reminder, we have colleagues like Sonia in 10 different cities. In just the West, you can find CityCast Vegas, Boise, Denver, Portland, and Houston, wherever you listen to podcasts. So tell a friend. And I'll see you tomorrow for more from around our city. Bye.